Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Amen. So we are busy with our series on what are you building and we'll wrap up this morning. So it's a three-part series. If you missed out on any of the previous two messages, they are on SoundCloud. You can access them there. Uh, thank you for Nikita again and her absence also for just uh, editing our audios weekly and uh, making it available for all of us to catch up on or to go and re-listen to. So what are you building? Last week we looked at Habakkuk 2 verse 2 and I just want to recap quickly and it says, And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Who made what they want to build clear this past week? I asked this last week, I asked the question, who applied the truths that received in the word in their week? And uh, only two people put up their hands. So this morning, who applied some of what they learned last week in their, their past weeks? Good stuff. More hands. So uh, there's probably like a 150% uh, increase that went up right now. Let's uh, take it up a notch in the coming week. Um, like Norman shared, if, we, if, we're not, if we're not engaging in the Word, if we're not making it personal, it's not going to accomplish much in our lives. Because the Word of God is, is the Word of God. The truth that we find in the Word has been true for thousands of years. But whether we value them as true, whether we uh, uh, place a higher value on the Word and we personalize it, is going to determine the fruitfulness that we're going to experience in our lives by what, uh, by what the Word states. And so I want to really encourage you guys as we um, getting into the Word to, to go revisit even the past uh, two Sundays' messages because they're all really um, practical about what are we building, what are we engaging in, what are we busy with in our weeks. And so that is really important. And then, um, so for this morning, just as, a, as an introduction, I love the, the African proverb and it's uh, quite famous, if you want to go fast, go alone, if you want to go far, go together. And that's really a, um, a proverb that we often use with regards to uh, just the, the teams we are building and with regards to the, 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 the things that God has invited in, into because God hasn't called us to do things alone. And oftentimes we try and do things alone because uh, we think that it's strength, doing things alone, like being independent. That's just being prideful. It's contrary to the, the way that God created and designed you. And so don't fall into the trap of what the world uh, deems as strength, but let's look at the, the Word of God as to what is strength, what is wisdom. And so as the African proverb says, if you want to go fast, go alone. God's Word also invita- invites us to go together, to do things together, to build together. So with regards to what are we building, there's a strong emphasis as to who are you building with. It's really important to understand that and to ask yourself the question, who are the people in my inner circle? Who are the people that I'm spending the most time with? Because those people are going to influence you in some way or another, whether good or bad. And so we get to determine that. And let's, uh, this is a, I always say it, but it's like it sounds cliche and then it kind of just uh, goes in the one year and then out the other year. And we'll emphasize it this morning in the message as well. Um, the, 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 the number they normally use with regards to the five people you spend the most time with. Um, so if you look at the five, ask yourself the question, is Jesus one of those five? Is Jesus one of those five? And more importantly, is He the one person that you spend the most time with? And spiritually speaking, technically speaking, He is by default because He never leaves us nor forsakes us. But it needs to be more practical than, than that. 
There needs to be more uh, awareness of that. Because if you're not aware of that, then it's not going to benefit you anything. And so with regards to that, we'll get into this this morning because there's a, there's a, a high value on, on God and from God with regards to the, 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 the people we're spending time with and the people we're building. But then there's a higher value as to relationship with God. And we'll, uh, I'll explain that and uh, un- unravel that a little bit this morning. So this proverb of uh, this African proverb, if you want to go far, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Um, it's really an important proverb and it speaks volumes because the thing is we build stronger together. Why do we build stronger together? Because God created it like that. And things that God created is stronger than things that we think is better or uh, a greater for us. So the first account of partnership and building together is found in, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And I want to look at verse 18 quickly this morning. And the scriptures will be on the screen, but please uh, make note of the scriptures. If you want to go revisit them, uh, read a little bit more in context. Uh, as much as possible, we want to find the context of the, the scriptures that, that we are looking at. And we want to um, just revisit them to make sure that, okay, cool, that was uh, said within the context of what that scripture means. Because that is where we find the strength of the Word of God is within the context. What was its intent? What was its purpose? So Genesis 2 verse 18, which is a great example of, we, we will often hear about this, this, this scripture at weddings. And it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. And so there is a blessing in having marriage and having the partnership of marriage, having the team aspect of marriage. But how many people here this morning aren't married? Just put up your hand quickly. just want to see. It's not to shame you. It's not a shame to not be married. Okay, so there's a few hands coming up. And uh, the, the point I'm trying to make is God's plan and purpose for your life goes beyond marriage. Otherwise, Paul would have never said that it is good that man is not married even as well. Paul wasn't married, writing two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul accomplished much, much more than I think all of us put together in this room. So marriage is not the be-all and the end-all. Can I get amen? amen? Some of you don't believe it, and uh, you, you're hoping for a marriage to still produce fruitfulness, and uh, guess what? I'm going to disappoint you. It's not going to accomplish what God designed and purposed for you to accomplish. Marriage is not the answer for your fruitfulness. The Holy Spirit is the answer for your fruitfulness. And so that is what Jesus prophetically also uh, um, orchestrated for us here through Genesis chapter 2. And yes, God eventually brought Eve and, and, uh, and Adam together. But the helper that is found here and the partnership that God is talking about here is first and foremost in union with God. That's why the Holy Spirit is called our comforter. He's called our helper. And while we are called co-laborers of God through Christ. And so there's such a strong emphasis here that we need to come to understand because, like I said, oftentimes people think that when I get married, then man, the glory of God is going to come and uh, it's going to be heaven on earth. Some marriages experience hell on earth. Some have experienced that. Some have seen experiences of that. And that is not God's design. That's not His purpose. And so the, the, the Word of God and what we find here in this specific scripture goes way beyond natural relationships. It goes way beyond marriage. And it's talking about our covenant, our relationship individually and personally with the Holy Spirit, with God. Life is only life as God intended when in partnership with Him. It doesn't matter where you find yourself, what season you find yourself in, whether married, unmarried, whether you have children or no children. Life is only life as God intended when in partnership with Him. 
surrender to His plans and welcoming His help. When entering that partnership, we need to remember what the business is all about. Remember, if you think about natural partnerships in business, you need to understand what the business is about, right? Otherwise, you're not going to be very effective as a partner to that business. Okay, so in the same with God's kingdom, we need to understand what is the partnership about? What is the business about? Because then we can be fruitful in our partnership and our contribution to that business. Amen? And what is God's business all about? 1 Timothy 2.4, for the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. So it's man's salvation, the world out there, the unbelievers that you know, it's their salvation, and then those unbelievers and even the believers that you know, for them to come to grow in understanding of the truth, understanding our, our purposes, understanding our identities, growing in that, and for ourselves to come to a greater level of understanding. Because each one of us in this room, you might think you've arrived, and you're deceived. Because no one here in this room will ever come to a place of full arrival, full understanding of everything that God has. That is for us in heaven one day to have a full understanding of the things that we didn't understand on earth. There's things that I don't necessarily fully understand from the Word. Maybe you've never heard that from a pastor. That's the truth. I'm just honest enough to say that. I'm humble enough to say that. But with that same saying, I'm continuing to grow and seek understanding from the Word and from the truth revealed to us in the Word. Now, as I said, there's so many benefits to building our lives together with community, but specifically with God and His body. With God first and then His body. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we've uh, looked at this verse throughout the series. So 1 Corinthians 3 verse 8 to 9 says, The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. So each of us in this room uniquely needs to understand that each of us uniquely has a, has a, has a purpose, or, or God wants to reveal Himself uniquely, express Himself uniquely through each one of us. Now the question is, are you allowing Him to express Himself through you? Are you yielding to the Spirit's leading in your everyday life? And the people that you're engaging with, the people you're dealing with? God wants to use each one of us to express Himself through us and to the people that we are engaging with on a daily basis. Because you are engaging with people that I might never meet. I'm probably never going to meet. And so you might be, as the saying goes, you might be the only Bible that someone reads in their whole life. So is your life speaking of the message of Christ? Is the engagement you're having with people speaking of the message of Christ? Revealing His love, His nature, His character to them. God is building His kingdom through us. That's His plan, that's His desire, to do it through us, to do it with us. Can I get an amen to that as a blessing? That's a privilege that God chose us in our messiness, in our shortcomings, in our failures. He chose us. Man, I've got a messy past. Even this past week, it was messy. But if I look at the bigger scope of things, I've got a messy past. And I think all of us in this room have got a messy past, making some mistakes. Praise God for His grace and His mercies and that we can mature. The mistakes my sons right now are making, Chris and Michael, like it's, it's messy. Michael more so than Chris. It's messy. It's smelly at times as well. 
But praise God, as they're maturing, it's going to change. And so God's desire, desire and His design for each one of us is not to stay babies, but to mature. But the maturing process is not up to God. It's not up to the pastor. I facilitate maturing for you. I facilitate a meal for you. But whether you're chewing on that meal and making it personal is up to you. God is building His kingdom through us. We are His kingdom. Relationships are key to God and what He's building you on earth. But those relationships, and this is very important because I've seen many examples of people missing this this very fact. And maybe there are some people, and I believe there are some people in this room, that haven't come to grips to this very truth that is essential. Even though relationships are key to God and what He's building you on earth, those relationships need to flow from our primary relationship and our calling to go into the world. What is our primary relationship? With God. And so every relationship that you have right now, if it's not flowing and overflowing from your primary relationship with God, then those relationships will be limited. It won't be as fruitful as God designed, as He destined. And then also in the same line, those relationships need to flow from our calling that Jesus gave us to go into the world. Our calling as partners to God's business, which is a business of seeking to save the lost, meant to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. So if your relationships that you are currently having aren't first and primary coming from a place of your primary satisfaction and contentment in finding that in God and His friendship and living out your purpose as a partaker of God's will here on earth, then those relationships will be very limited. And you will find dissatisfaction within those relationships. Guaranteed at some point or another. Because God didn't create human relationships for us to satisfy us, to give us the joy, the happiness that He designed for us to experience through Him. That is why so many marriages are unhappy, without joy, without satisfaction. Because they're trying to find peace, fulfillment, completeness in a human being. We aren't God. God is God. He's the one who wants to fill us. To bring a completion within our hearts, within our desires. So Luke chapter 14, 26. When you follow me as my disciples, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brother. It will even seem as though you hate your own life. This is the price you'll pay to be considered one of my followers or one of my disciples. Some translations, uh, apart from the, the Passion Translation, uh, use some, some weightier, some heavier words that, that we don't find to our liking. The word hate, for example. And what God is not advocating here is a hate for your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. But it's understanding the relationship of those, those relationships, understanding that from God's point of view, He knows what will ultimately bring more fruitfulness to your life and those relationships. And it's finding your primary source of relationship in Him, first and foremost. And like I said, it's not advocating again a thing of like choosing one and then we're despising the others. No, it's in choosing the one that there's more fruitfulness in the others. It's in choosing the one and building God's way that there's more fruitfulness in the other relationships. 
I can testify this within my marriage, within the relationships in this room, within the other campus pastors and, and Shane and Marna and, and their leadership. There's more fruitfulness in every one of those relationships because I'm seeking first my primary relationship with God and establishing and building His kingdom and co-laboring with others who have the same view and building the same way. Some people go to church to find friends. Maybe you came to church to find friends and you find some friends. Congratulations. Well done. But you can go to the world and find friends as well. So we need to understand that going to church is more than just finding a friend. Because you can do that and find that in the world. So anything that you can do and find in the world as well, we need to understand that there's more to church than that. There's more to the Bible, to the Word of God than that if the world can give it to you. The world can give you friendships. Sometimes better friendships than the Christians you know, right? Anyone got a good unbelieving friend? That is really great. Nadine's got one. Norma, thanks for your guys' honesty. Good stuff. Are they on your hit lists? Good stuff. Praise God. If they're not yet, put them on your hit list. Um, because you're not being a very good friend to them if they're not on your hit list. Amen? Because the greatest friend that you can be to an unbeliever is to reveal Jesus to them. It's not giving them gifts. It's not being a kind person. It's not all of those things that are temporal, limited to this world. So if we can find good friendships outside of the church, outside of the family of God, we need to understand that the family of God and the church goes beyond just friendship. So the purpose of church is not to find friends. If you quote me on that, some people throw stones at me. Some of you might not come back to church if you just left right now like Henku's doing. I'm just joking. He's obviously just uh, <laughs> running to the bathroom. I hope so. Um, but let's elaborate and unpack this a little bit more. Uh, but let that simmer. The purpose of church is not to find friends. Because friendship with a lack of Jesus is like a car without fuel. It will go nowhere very fast. Friendship with a lack of Jesus is like a car without fuel. It will go nowhere fast. Everything good that God created for us was intended to be enjoyed from a place of primarily enjoying Him. Everything. Everything good that God created for us was intended to be enjoyed from a place of primarily enjoying Him. Examples. Marriage. Children. Friendships. Work. Exercise, nature, music, and the list goes on. Nature is a blessing to us, all right? Music is a blessing to us. But if we enjoy those things outside of primarily glorifying God and enjoying friendship with Him, those things will not satisfy us and will actually distract us. As it does with a lot of Christians, trying to find primarily friendship within church. It becomes a distraction. They find themselves at a place of dissatisfaction and then they leave. That is not the purpose of church. Our earthly relationships will only be as good as our relationship with Jesus is. People leave churches, as I said, because they don't find the kind of relationships or friendships they want or that are to their liking. Because they base it on the natural. Like we often do with uh, choosing a spouse. For those uh, who are single in this room, still to choose a spouse, here's some... Uh, um, Wisdom for you that will save you a lot of heartache, pain, trouble, misfortune, etc. We don't choose a spouse based on do they like the same sport as I do? 
Do they like exercise? Do they also enjoy comedy movies versus just um, drama or suspense or whatever the, the list may be? Our list of choosing a spouse should be similar to our list of choosing a church. And I'll get to uh, what that means in a moment. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. So think about that. Our list of choosing a spouse should be similar to our list of choosing a church. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4. We need to have a healthy view of what church is first and primarily for. Because if we don't, we're going to seek a bunch of things to find within church. And it's not going to be met. And you're going to be dissatisfied. And you are going to end up leaving. Going to the next church, finding the same dissatisfaction, and leaving. And then you're just going to jump from one church to the next church to the next church, never growing, never maturing, and just being a passive, consumeristic Christian. Don't be a consumeristic Christian. Or at least let me put it like this. Don't stay one. Because all of us at some point or another might have been there, right? Where it's all about what can I get? What is the church going to do for me? Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Okay, so this is considered the, what uh, some people have phrased, the fivefold ministry, um, because there are five ministry gifts here that God uh, gave to the church. And that in and of itself, verse 11, speaks volumes of what is the purpose of these giftings. It is for the church. It is not for those giftings and the people functioning with those giftings to be idolized and to be put on pedestals. It is to serve within the function to be a blessing to the church, to each one of you. Okay? Verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature. Say mature. In the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature. Say immature. Like children, we won't be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. What's one key word that we find within these, this passage of Scripture, maturity, growth, that comes through your relationship with God. So one of the primary purposes of church is for you to mature and grow up. Say grow up. It's for us to grow up. It's for us to mature. It's not for us to find a friendship. Now I'm not saying friendship is wrong. I'm not saying it's bad. But if that is the primary thing we seek or the primary thing we th- the primary thing we think that church should be to us, we are missing the point. It's not what the Word of God is teaching us. The responsibility of these offices, these functions, these giftings, is to equip us. It's to equip God's people, that's you and me, to do His work and build up the church. So my purpose is for you to be equipped so that you can mature and help build God's kingdom. If that becomes the one thing that you seek 
to find within the church, you'll become a very happy, satisfied Christian within the church of God. When you are seeking first and foremost yourself to be equipped and growing in your maturity as a child of God and partaking and building His kingdom here on earth, then guess what? The relationships that you are drawing to you, the friendships, will become very healthy, very organic. And they'll start to function within the place that God intended for them to function. In a healthy way. Not in an unhealthy way with a bunch of unhealthy expectations. God is calling us together for the sake of growing and maturing in our identities to become skilled master builders. So the relationships that we find within this room, which is a blessing, praise God. Amen. Some of you are still trying to find uh, those relationships and building those relationships. But those relationships outside of you seeking to grow and to be equipped and to mature as a child of God, and outside of those relationships intended to sharpen you, to challenge you, to encourage you to live out your calling and becoming the skilled master builders that God is uh, uh, desiring for us all to be, those relationships are actually just superficial. The world can give that to you. So don't try and come and find in the church what was never intended for the church to be. But God is also desiring for our souls to be ministered to through relationships, human relationships. But that is a byproduct of us coming together for kingdom purposes. Norman reference Acts chapter 2. Let's go there quickly. Acts chapter 2. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles', apostles teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. I'm just going to look at that one verse. You can go and read about it in a little bit more in context. Some other things are phrased there and, and mentioned there. But what is the first thing mentioned here in this verse? We find fellowship here, which is friendship, right? Communion. We find that there. And some people emphasize that and they're like, oh, I'm in church because I'm going to find fellowship and we're going to gather on Sundays and there's going to be fellowship. And we're going to go to Life Group and there's going to be fellowship. And we're going to go to Monarchate and Graceful Women and this conference and there's going to be amazing fellowship. Praise God for the fellowship and the friendships and it's going to be amazing. And that is there in the Bible. But what is the first thing mentioned before fellowship? Devotion. Devotion to what? To fellowship. No, to teaching. To the Word of God. Because what does the Word of God do? It equips us. It helps us mature. Friendship can help you mature, but only if that friendship is based on the Word of God. Friendship outside of the Word of God cannot mature you. Worship outside of the Word of God cannot mature you. It needs to be the Word of God. The emphasis, the devotion needs to be the Word of God. And then we find Amazing heavenly friendship and fellowship. Then we find amazing sharing of meals. Then we find amazing times of prayer. If it's based on the Word of God and His will. For the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25. It says, let us consider how to provoke. Say provoke. Who of you know what the word provoke means? Spur. That's uh, the Greek word here we find the word spur from. Not the restaurant franchise. Um, it's never going to get old. Um, but the word spur, as the cowboys find on the back of their boots, to spur the horse 
And what's the purpose of spurring the horse? To get it moving. We need to spur one another on to move. To move out of our comfort zones. To move forward and advance in God's kingdom. We need some spurring. We need some nudging in the ribs. With the elbow. If you're sitting next to a friend. We need some nudging. Let us consider how to provoke. Spur one another unto love and good deeds. So uh, there's some upcoming events that Norman mentioned, but there's also some upcoming outreach events that we'll be having, um, ministering at the hospitals, old age, old, old age homes, and a bunch of other things that is maybe going to make you feel uncomfortable just hearing about them. That's not even talking about going to them. Just hearing about them or hearing testimonies about them might make you feel uncomfortable because you're either not partaking of it or whatever the, the case may be. It might make you feel uncomfortable. And guess what? That's a good thing. We shouldn't just feel comfortable in church. Because then we don't need the Holy Spirit. Because He's the comforter. And what's the point of comforting if you're just in your comfort zone the whole time? Right? It's very practical. And so God's invitation for us as a family, as a body, is to provoke one another. And to love and good deeds. Not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we need to choose church in a similar way, as I said, as we choose a spouse. It's not about the 500 different things and this liking and that liking and this length and that color hair and this color eyes and with a six pack or eight pack or a <laughs> but it's about one thing, Jesus. It's about one thing, Jesus. Do they love Jesus in a way that shows they know His love for them and the rest of the world? Does the person you're choosing to marry, do they love Jesus in a way that shows they know Jesus' love for them and the rest of the world? Because a lot of people can uh, claim and even proclaim, I love Jesus. But your love of Jesus will either be a focus on you, or your love of Jesus will be a focus on Him. As John did. The disciple who Jesus loved. Not as Peter, Jesus, I'll never leave you. Jesus, I'll always be there. Peter's love for Jesus failed, because it wasn't based in that time on His love for Him. It wasn't based on Jesus' love for them. And if we choose spouses like that, if we choose friendships like this, if we choose a church like this, we become very content within our church community, we'll become a blessing to our church community, and we'll advance, help advance God's kingdom together. Can I grow in my knowledge of Jesus there? Can I be equipped, as we see in Ephesians chapter 4, to go out and be fruitful and bring people into God's family and help them do the same? That is the first and primary purpose of church. And when we, again, when that becomes the main thing, guess what? When that becomes the main thing for you, and it becomes the main thing for the person next to you, and the person behind you and in front of you, guess what? Those people become your best friends. Because the friendship is not based on carnality, it's based on eternity. And we need to change our focus as to what are we valuing within friendships versus what God's Word is inviting us to value and to build first. Matthew 6, what does Matthew 6.33 say? Seek first, what? Friendship. The kingdom of God. 
Because when we seek the kingdom of God first and foremost, and growing in our identities and our relationship with God, then the rest of the things do fall into place. When we choose like this, we'll find ourselves in a place of more healthy friendships than what we could have ever dreamt of creating ourselves. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Why is he saying we must never forget this? Because we tend to forget this. Only as you accept. Say accept. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Only as you accept the reality of what you've been called to, only as you start to accept your partnership within this body, within God's kingdom, do you actually start adding value to this kingdom? Do you actually start experiencing joy and benefit within this kingdom in regards to relationships and friendships as well? So it's something for all of us to accept. It's not going to come just dropping out of the sky. It's something that we need to purpose. We need to change our minds on. Because too often we've overemphasized this picture of, oh, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to find a friend and it's just going to be amazing and then it doesn't happen and we leave to church. And it's fine. Some people are, and as we've all been, we've, we've, We've been more maybe carnal focus and more self-centered in our approach to church. But like I said, we shouldn't stay there. We shouldn't remain there. And so we need to, as if we deem ourselves as mature believers, we need to meet the immature where they are at. Right? That's the purpose of discipleship. You're going out of your way to give someone what they need, or no, give someone what they want, and teach them and show them what they actually need. Right? It's like the unbelievers out there. You can't just tell them, read the Bible and it's going to change your life. That's not going to be very fruitful. So we need to meet people where they're at. And that's why within the church community, we're sharing some heavy truths and some, some strong truths here. And it might be difficult for you to digest. And that's fine. I'm not ex- expecting you to jump from, from 10 kilometers per hour to 120 within a second. But I'm giving you something to look forward to and to realign yourself as to what you deem valuable right now to change that to what the Word deems valuable and then gradually you'll start to experiencing more health and more joy and more satisfaction within the friendships that you are seeking. But to emphasize again, there is strength within building God's kingdom together because God created it like that. But it's again, it's within the structure and the the confinements of firstly, primarily growing in your personal relationship with God and maturing as a child of God and pursuing that through through the the, the body of Christ and through our friendships and allowing ourselves to be challenged, to to be nudged, to to be provoked within becoming the skilled master builders of God's kingdom that He created us to be. So Exodus chapter 17, uh, but before I jump there, just a, um, a verse that we, we have as the, the kind of the, the gauge or the pillar for, for all of our leadership meetings is Acts 20 verse 28, which says that, take heed unto yourselves and to the church of God, to the flock of Christ, 
that he's uh, given you uh, trust or care over to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So that verse is, again, it's talking about relationships. It's talking about looking after people. But before it's talking about looking after people, it's, about, it's talking about looking after yourself. And that some people could see as, oh, but isn't that self-centered if you're looking after yourself? No, it's not self-centered if you're looking after yourself is rooted in your relationship with God. Because that is what it's talking about. Because if my looking after myself is rooted in my relationship with God, guess what? It's not self-centered because it's going to bless every one of you sitting here. It's going to bless my wife. It's going to bless my children. If I'm looking after myself through the lens of relationship with God, purposing and pursuing that as a key to my life, as a key to everything that I'm pursuing and what I'm building. Exodus chapter 17, an amazing illustration of building God's kingdom together. And it's again, emphasis on not just building uh, together, but building God's kingdom together. It's not an emphasis just on friendship or relationship. It's an emphasis on friendship and relationship for the purpose and the sake of God's kingdom. It's different. We need to see that. Otherwise, we'll miss things and we'll build in an unhealthy way. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. So we find this blessing of friendship and relationship, but there was a purpose to this friendship and this relationship. It was kingdom. And then we find within Proverbs some amazing uh, wisdom, uh, nuggets of wisdom for us within this context. Proverbs 1 verse 5. The wise will hear and increase their learning. And the person of understanding will acquire wise counsel and the skill to steer his course wisely and lead others to the truth. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. None of this has got to do with business, with career, but it's all got to do with God's kingdom. Because the Bible is a message of God's kingdom. It's not a message of having a successful career. Elon Musk is doing very well without following the Bible. And he's got a pretty successful career. Can I get an amen? He's doing pretty well for himself, I would say. The purpose of wisdom and counsel is not for you to have a great business. You'll find this with our business leaders conference as well. We'll share some practical things with you with regards to business, but ultimately your business is a vehicle for something. Or it should be a vehicle for something. Your life ultimately is a vehicle. And your vehicle is either empty, not going anywhere slowly or fast, or it's a vehicle fueled by the passion of God's love for you and the love for the world. And it's going places, impacting nations, impacting everywhere you go. And the invitation here from Proverbs, and as we find in Saul's life, is to seek out wise counsel. There's many Proverbs like this. Seeking out wise counsel. What is wise counsel? It's spirit-led counsel. That's wisdom. Not the wisdom of this world. Wise counsel within your calling, within your purpose, and growing in that, maturing in that. But people don't heed to these simple truths. Why? Proverbs 12, 15. The way of the arrogant fool who rejects God's wisdom is right in his own eyes, but wise and a prudent man, he is he who listens to counsel. 
the anthem of self. I did it my way. Self-made man and woman. That's what we want to be, right? Self-made men and women. I'm, 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 the, I'm the king of my kingdom and no one's going to tell me. Sounds like a lot of children, right? Anyone of you been, been around kids that, that give you that kind of a motto, anthem of that? Like, me, myself, and I, what I want, what I need, not what you want. Mommy, daddy, you don't need any sleep tonight. I'm just going to cry all night and be fed whenever, at the, when I feel like it. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of believers are, where a lot of Christians are. Me, myself, and I, what I want. God, I want this. God, I want that. Pastor, I want this. I want that. Body of Christ, I want this. I want that. Give me this. Give me that. And it's fine if you're there. But within this community and within the word that we are going to share, through every setting we're having, within the, the way that we're discipling, we're not going to allow you to remain there. We're going to help you mature, taking you by the hand, loving you, shepherding you, caring for you. And guess what is going to happen? You're either going to mature or you're going to remain in a place of arrogance and a fool who rejects God's wisdom. Because you've got the freedom to do so. Each one of us here has got the freedom to reject God's wisdom. To reject the counsel of the godly. And we will reap the rewards of that. Whether life or death. Blessing or or cursing. It's not God doing curses. It's we choosing arrogance, pride above the way of God, and we live by its consequences. In closing, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is powerful. Paul writing to the Philippian church, and he says, and this is a challenging thought to consider. Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And what will be the result, Paul says? And the God of peace will be with you. Again, within, within the community, within the family of God, and within this specific context, what Paul is saying, what you have learned from me, what you've received from me, what you've seen in my life, what was that life? It was a life dedicated to building God's kingdom. It was a life laid down for God's purposes. Choose to live your life like this, and guess what will be the byproduct? God's peace. Not the world's peace. The world's peace is fleeting. It comes and it goes. God's peace that is unshakable. God's peace that carries you through any storm. But the question is, are you heeding the counsel and are you allowing the examples within the body of Christ to, to challenge you, to exhort you, to, to comfort you? Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpens iron, and so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend or his brother. So there's a sharpening that God is inviting us to experience within the community, within the body of Christ. Now, yes, that sharpening, we also find comfort within that sharpening, within discipleship. But greater than that, there's a sharpening and a maturing for the purposes and the plans that God has for us. And that is a blessing and that is an invitation. And 
the encouragement that I have for us this morning, as we're seeking friendship, which is good, let's seek it within the confines of first and primarily seeking our friendship with Jesus, growing in that, becoming content in that, and building God's kingdom. Because as you do, you'll find yourself alongside next to men and women of God who might not be your cup of tea in a natural everyday situation because we're all from different shapes, sizes, cultures, languages, skin colors, you fill in the blank. But when we keep the main thing the main thing, you'll find amazing friendships within the body of Christ. Again, I've experienced this. Some of my greatest friends today are people that I would have never in my natural walking life pursuing just worldly things. I would have never been friends with them. And that is God's amazing wisdom. Doing things His way sets us up for so much more fruitfulness, enjoyment, and diversity. Because ultimately, one day in heaven, there's going to be diversity. So, so we should become used to it here on earth. Amen? diversity. Becoming great friends with people you would have never thought about being with because you're keeping the main thing the main thing. Building God's kingdom and growing in your relation. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca